The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. All right, welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. Today we're talking about, uh, on the show, we're going to feature toward the end of the show an app that has really got a place in the world today, and you'll demonstrate what an app is, what it can be used for, how you can think about them in new and novel ways, and so on. And there's a very interesting app we'll focus on at the end of the show. But before we get to that, we're going to talk to a couple of app developers who have an app development studio And we're going to learn about, and if you're a small business out there and you want to think about having an app developed for your small business, we'll help you shape your thinking around how to think about that and maybe how to make that happen. But also, we're also going to talk about some businesses these guys are working on that are really centered on the app as the central platform of the business itself. So it is the business. And with no further ado, we've got Alex Lanzetta here in studio. Alex from Studio Cadenza. Great to have you on. And we've got Mick Breggy, also of Studio Cadenza, on with us today, both app developers. Uh, Mick, welcome. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Alex. Good morning. Yeah. Mick, let me start with you. So your role specifically, we want to learn about a little bit about your background and your role. Now, you are what's considered a UI UX developer. That's user interface, user engagement, uh, user experience. That's correct. Yeah, you design the journey that the user of the app is going to go through to use that app. Exactly. Tell us about what you do, Mick. It's interesting. Yeah, you know, I actually love being in user experience and user interface development because it really rounds up the whole product process. You get to work with users who might use the platform. You get to learn a little bit more about what use case you might have in building a specific product. You get to work within the whole, you know, central of the process. And I've worn a few different hats in my career so far, whether it's product designer, designer, uh, creative technologist. I also was previously a founder of my own education technology company uh, in Ann Arbor. And basically, through that process, I learned a lot about users, what they like, what they don't like, different apps that I've designed, countless apps that I've designed, all have different use cases that are driving towards a specific goal. So in the user experience and user interface processes, which is what I do, I get to learn about all these things, come up with some really compelling designs, and ultimately build really compelling products around the people that I've met and learned through the process as well. That gets me excited. Yeah, so you take a concept, if I say I've got a concept for a new e-commerce company, you actually design the app screens, the step one, here's what the user does, step two, step three, et cetera, all the way through from registration, you know, download, registration, all the way through to uh, ultimately purchase in the example of an e-commerce based app. And you design all of that, which is really cool. And you have experience. You've learned what users like, what they don't like, you know, how to make things simple, crisp, clean, understandable, and usable in a very user-friendly way. So that's great. And then what happens is Alex and his team take the screens that you've developed, the journey you've created for the user experience, and they code it. They put the smarts behind it to make it go, right, Alex? Tell us about you and your role. That's right. Well, I'm quality assurance, and I also do development and you know, coming from a background of being an independent developer, I've kind of learned the reins from the very beginning, going to the library, picking up a book on programming and understanding how a computer works, and then moving that up forward to how a game works, how a website works, how an app works. And they all kind of come together with taking an idea and bringing the technology into it, bringing the assets that the design team will bring into the app and then making them move or making them interact with the player. Right, making them work, making them function. Exactly. You're writing the code behind those pages to make it function. Right, yeah. and um, 
there's so much nuance to that. You know, you, you can make a button work, but you have to make it work well for the user to be able to understand it. And you know, that's where the UX comes in from Mixed Team and from the development team making sure that that's actually working. You know, you have right. to do a lot of testing and of course bring it into the user's hands and get their feedback. You know, that's what you're excited about making an app. You want those users to light up yep. when they're using the yep. app. Now, guys, it's interesting. And by the way, you guys are in a really hot field, no doubt about it. I, I tell my sons all the time, that's a field you should look at. There's going to be a lot of future in that field, that's for sure. You can get to the point that you have an app. An app, really, we're talking about really on the mobile platform. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. So when a user has an iPhone or Android or whatever it may be, you can uh, do certain unique functionality by using these apps that you download. They're either paid for, they're free, whatever it may be. They're on your phone, you have access to them. And you use them to do a certain thing, whether that be entertainment, whether that be buying something, whether that be paying for something, uh, all kinds of apps out there. Now, would it be fair to say I can break apps down into a couple of categories at the broadest to highest levels? One is what we would call a web app, which is simply an optimized website version that functions kind of like an app, right? I mean, that, that isn't really even an app icon on your phone, is it? It's something you access. You access the company's website and then it functions on the mobile platform. That's one type of app. Do I have that right? That's correct. And in some cases, some app developers actually will take a website and port it pretty much directly to an app. So if you start from uh, a website, you could actually backport it into an app and add technology onto it from there. Again, an example of that would be an e-commerce site. I could go to a company's website and conduct e-commerce with them. Or maybe there's an, an app version of it that has some additional unique utility that compels me to not go to the website, but instead on my mobile platform to use the app. Yeah. Right? Tap it once you're logged in. Tap it once I'm logged in. Do everything. In. There we go. All right. Now, the other thing you can do is you can create what's called a native app. And that's right. Well, that's where you create an app that is unique and distinct, more separate from what the website experience is, either additional utility, supplemental utility, maybe primary, and the website's utility, uh, uh, supplementary. Uh, Mick, right? That's correct. Yeah, and this is really taking advantage of the phone's operating system that the app is going to be running on. So apps that are native apps might be a little bit more high fidelity because they're made specifically for the device that they're going to be running on. And these apps, these native apps that you guys create, ultimately get submitted to either the Apple Store for iOS for an, for an iPhone usage, and then they're made available to the public by going into the App Store and downloading, either paying for or downloading for free, whatever app it is you're interested in, or in the Google Play Store for Android-type phones. That's where consumers get these apps, right? That's correct. Yeah. All right, guys, listen, when we come back, we want to hear a little bit more about maybe some examples of how small businesses can think about why to have an app of your own and how to create an app of your own. We're going to do that with these two smart guys right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. Stick with us. Be right back. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've got a couple of cats in the studio today. Mick Breggy by phone, studio lead at Studio Cadenza, and Alex Lanzetta, you're, uh, you run quality assurance, plus you do development yourself, lead the development team, specifically front-end and back-end, right, Alex? Now, that's kind of interesting. What's a front-end and what's a back-end? So our front-end is typically what the user is going to be directly looking at and interfacing with. And a backend is more kind of the data that's going in and out of the app, going to the servers and getting information about what the user is doing yeah. um, that the user doesn't see. Right. So the user really, uh, the user experience the user gets 
the value proposition through the user experience that the user gets is really the front end work. That's the interface with a consumer. The back end is all the stuff behind the scenes, thus why it's called back end. That kind of makes it all go. Right. It's a little uh, bit uglier. It's, it's uglier, right? It's in the back. It's in the uh, behind the magic curtain, as you guys uh, tend to say. Exactly. All right. And Mick, let's talk about apps. How should small businesses be thinking about an app? How and why and all of that? That's exactly right. And you know, Jeff, this is something that I come back to a lot because I feel like a lot of people who might be listening are thinking now, I've heard I need an app so many times, where do I get started or what do I need to do? But sometimes that we forget that the goal of an app is to provide a specific utility. So that's accomplishing something in particular. Now, if you're a small business, your goal should always be finding interesting, novel, new ways to connect your users with that service in the most effective way possible. In this case, an app might be the kind of solution. But whether you're providing effective ways to like drive a transaction, conduct a sale, or connect with your customers one-on-one, you have to remember what you're making the solution for. But the good news is that apps can provide hundreds of more purposes to apply to small businesses specifically. Guys, if I want to think about an app, I've got a small business, whatever it may be, and I'm convinced I need an app from the customer perspective, that company that's thinking about getting that app and then going to a development service, a studio to develop it for him or her, I first have to think about why do I need an app? What's it going to do? What is the value proposition? What's the essence or the purpose of such an app? What is it going to do for the users? What's it going to do for me, the business? So that's kind of the vision stuff. And then I've got to create a specification, right? I mean, I've got to identify, do I want it to be iOS, meaning iPhone only? Do I want it to be iPhone and Android? Do I want it to be, these are the feature sets that I want it to be able to do in order to achieve my objective? I create a specification, right, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're going to be wanting to create a full document of all of the different things you want to do to supplement the experience that the user is going to be having on top of maybe what their brick and mortar experience is or their normal experience through web or the other services you might provide outside of an app. Could be supplement or could be shift to primary. I mean, the app could be the business and and the brick and mortar could become instead of a place where you sell stuff, uh, for example, a showroom, you know, a place to engage consumers get their interest, but maybe transactions ultimately are done online and on the mobile platform through an app, for example. So it could be supplementary, it could be primary. But a specification, a good app development company will help you put a good specification together. They also want a good specification, you guys, the developers, because you want to code against something very specific. You You don't want to code something that's purple if the customer wants orange, right? So a specification, a good specification is key. Good app development companies or app developers help you tighten that up and make sure it's crisp and concise and clear. Right. You're going to want to make a, a full design pass as well to make sure that you know it matches the branding of your company. Or uh, You want to make sure that the interactions are what your users want to expect from your app. So the programmers are going to do exactly what you tell them to do, no matter what. So right. you must be able to tell them exactly what you want. You don't want any surprises no in the surprises. process. And so a good specification is key. And then Mick, you take that specification and you create a kind of a user walkthrough, a journey, right? With all of that. And then you begin to frame out the specifics, even down to, you know, as Alex mentioned, the colors, the design features, where the buttons are for the next thing you do on this screen, the next thing you do on that screen, right, Mick? Exactly right. Yeah. And a lot of people think that this might just come out of thin air or magic when it comes down to designing an app. But a lot of times what we do is we go back to the customer. If you're a small business, what, like I mentioned earlier, what problem are you trying to address? The designers are going to take what that problem is, 
understanding the specification that developers have laid out, and then take all that information and distill it down into something that meets exactly that target market. So the design, when we get to the design of making things colorful, putting you know pixels to the screen, it is based on that initial customer that we started with. And so the whole process kind of wraps around in that way. Yeah. And you've got to be careful because what tends to happen, much like in building a house, for example, you start with, you know, here's our budget, here's the house, we only need two bedrooms, we need two bathrooms, whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden, you've got four bedrooms and five bathrooms, and, you know, there's a scope creep, as you guys say in your business. You've got to make sure that your app, from everything that I've learned uh, working with guys like you, you've got to make sure that the app does something, something very specifically, very well, and that the app is known for doing that one thing at least, you know, very, very well. If it's a, if it's a payment app, it's got to deliver a crisp payment capability in your checkout, you know, when you, when you go to buy something from somebody. If it's a social media, you know, scheduling tool, it's got to do that really, really well for you. Uh, so that your posts get scheduled, you know, and it's really easy to use and so on. But it doesn't need to be a social media scheduling platform that also does your laundry for you. You know, <laughs> I mean, right. literally, and you guys have experienced that once someone gets into the euphoria of designing something really cool, that creative process that's so intoxicating, you can run a muck and run a drift of the original intent. And some of that's kind of core to what can you deliver that no one else can deliver and then really hone into that and make your app around that. Well said, Alex. That's the value proposition, and that's what it's all about, right? And, and in fact, if you can't really, you don't develop an app just because it's cool. You develop an app because you believe there's a value proposition there that serves the customer and serves your business in really important ways. Mick, give us some examples of apps that small businesses should think about. You know, I mean, give us, give us some ideas of some of the things you're aware of that maybe the small business community should be aware of. So, you know, social media is a great way to connect in some cases, but it might not be enough. You know, social media allows us to maybe conduct a very minimal transaction. So if you're thinking about how do I get customers more engaged than I might be already doing on like a Facebook page, for example, or existing social sites, well, maybe an app can help you take a customer, for example, conduct a transaction in a really clean way, maybe something using things that are like cutting edge and breaking new, like Apple Pay or Google Pay that allows you to pay right through your phone, and then also connects you through the other end of the pipeline to you as the store owner or a merchant or something like that so that you can communicate directly about your order and offer like a, a premium customer service type experience that you might not get on other platforms. So that's an example of someone, you know, if you're a brick and mortar store, for example, that might be looking for a better way to make sure that you're delivering the best experience for your customers or driving towards an end goal like that. An app like this might be a perfect solution for you. So that might be a customer relationship or CRM type app, or it might be a loyalty type app falling into those categories, but that's the intent of an app like that. That's exactly right. Okay. Other example, one more, if you've got one. You know, what we're seeing a lot of times now, communication apps obviously are a great starting point. I think there are different apps that help you, for example, you know, delivery, direct to service type situations where if you yeah. offer something where it might require a little bit more intensity when it comes to delivering a specific service to a customer's home or something like that. An app that could help facilitate that process of getting your service on demand, on location in a model that might be something that's more familiar to like an Uber or a DoorDash type model are now more apparent that helping the delivery type apps, delivery type services for things that are typically not, wouldn't fall into a delivery type model organically. So we're seeing a lot of those kinds of apps pop yeah. up right now as well. Okay, very cool. Now, you know, I could build an app for my company. I could also, guys, just go out there and use an app. A lot of these things are already created. 
How do you make a decision? Where do you break it down? Where's the threshold where you go from instead of me getting on to a platform that already exists and using a third-party solution to really saying, you know what, I need to create something of my own, something that's unique. Where's that threshold? And when do I cross that threshold into actually investing dollars into an app of my own? Like I mentioned earlier, I think you should always be coming back to the goal. Really understand what you're trying to drive towards, understanding what specific utility you're going to provide, whether that's an e-commerce type platform, whether that's a delivery type platform, like I mentioned, you always have to have the goal in mind. And the goal, when you have that defined clearly and understand what you're trying to do, will help you get exactly to what kind of solution you need to build, whether it's something out of the box or it's something completely custom. And good thing is, services, even app development services, they'll help you understand that. They'll tell you straight up, well, there's a service that exists for this that you might be able to use, or Mm -hmm. this is going to be something that's a little bit more custom. That's where the consultation process comes in. Yeah, and Alex? I I think some of the opportunities that come into the app development are that you're able to put a voice from your team into the app, whereas kind of existing platforms don't allow you to do that so much. That's a great point. So brand attributes, branding, you know, you call it a voice, voice is part of branding. You're absolutely able to have it be your thing and be known for that and have that tighter connection, therefore, between you and the customer rather than them using a third party source and not being on a platform of yours. You know, you kind of more own the customer when they're on your app, right? And you control their journey. Right, exactly. You can have a voice that tells the user, you know, this is my company and you're here and we love you. And, you know, be more about that than, you know, if you're on Twitter with social media, then it's Twitter saying like, we love you. Here's someone that you might be interested in. Yep. All right, now that's if you're an existing small business and you want to use an app or create an app to help facilitate or drive your business. But there are other businesses you guys are working on where you're actually, the app is the business. That's the whole thing. And I think one of the key things there, when you start to think about that, you have your vision, you have your value proposition, you have your app specification, but you also need to have your revenue model. They have to make you money directly or indirectly. So either they drive to a revenue event. So if it's an app that you know drives to e-commerce events, that's an app driving to uh, uh, revenue through your e-commerce capability. Or maybe it's an app that does something unique and distinct from your core business and it makes supplementary income or becomes the business itself entirely. You know, are there things to think about uniquely around that, like revenue model? When you're building apps, are you constantly focused on and thinking about ways to drive revenue? Yes, and I think there's a few core ways that apps can provide different revenue sources. If you're coming at this out of the gate and want to have an app be a standalone, you know, maybe service that you're providing for your new business. And there's in-app purchases, advertising, and also, you know, the, the exact transaction of whatever service you're providing are core ways that we see app-style businesses presenting their services to customers. Yeah, and there are also subscription models. So, for example, you know, you have to pay a certain monthly fee to have access to the utilization of the app. I want to review them quickly but carefully. Each one, you said in-app purchases. That's where the app is generally free, but the app makes its money. Uh, The revenue model is to encourage that the customer accelerate their experience in the app, uh, augment, uh, supplement, whatever it may be, by paying for something that gives them greater utility, greater experience, greater advantage in the utilization of the app. And then the third was advertising. Certainly that's kind of low-hanging fruit. You can, uh, especially if you're like a publisher or a media player, you know, advertising becomes a critical way to uh, drive revenue. Exactly. Well, listen, guys, this has been great. Highly educational. I wish we had more time. We'll have you back on again. You know, I'd love to have you guys on again next time and open up the phone lines to our audience 
because I'll bet there are people out there, uh, people out in the audience that have great ideas that want to talk to you guys directly and get some guidance and advice. So if you'd be willing to come back again, let's do that next time. Let's do it. Let's do it for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. We're here to help. Okay, Mick. Thank you. Mick Breggy, Alex Lanzetta, both of Studio Canenza in Birmingham, Michigan. Thanks for being on, guys. We appreciate it. Back with more after this break on Startup Nation Radio. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Well, we've learned a thing or two about apps, how to think about whether or not you should have one for your business, how to think about how to create one if you think you should have one for your business. And uh, now we're going to give you an example of a guy in our region, a guy in our community who's actually developed an app that's going to become really critical as we all go back to work. And we're going to learn about that app and the company behind it. And we're going to hear all about it from the guy behind the company that's behind the app. He's Tim Connor, founder of Alteris Group, LLC. Tim, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Alteris is in the marketing communications and training business. Is that right? You tell us. Tell us about Alteris. Yeah, so we do have two areas of expertise, our, our learning side of the business and our marketing side of the business. And uh, we find that those two areas inform each other. Our marketing makes our learning a lot more uh, exciting and fresh, and our learning helps inform our marketing to, to be a little bit smarter in what we're doing because we're mostly concentrated in B2B marketing. Who's the typical uh, customer of Alteris, Tim? Yeah, for us, since obviously we're based here in Detroit, mm-hmm. it's uh, the OEs here in town. Uh, uh-huh. So it's the big manufacturers. Uh, we're dealing mostly with uh, the supply chain, those that are uh, working at the dealership and uh, selling vehicles. And we're doing training and marketing in that space. Mm-hmm. So Alteris has been around for roughly 20 years. And mainly your customer base are the bigger companies. You're probably not doing a lot with small business. Is that correct or, or no? Yes, that's correct. It's large business. So we're tier one suppliers to the automotive industry. And you're one of the founders of the company. We'd love to hear a little bit about you and your background, Tim. And, and what was the genesis of Alteris? What's your background and what was the genesis? Yeah, so I came out of a uh, communications background and is working for a couple different agencies here in town. And one of the agencies during uh, 2001, when the trade towers went down, it, uh, the company's about 40 years old. It decided to fold its uh, tent, and um, we decided, or I decided, to start my own uh, company at that point instead of going to work for one of our competitors. So was that the first time you became you know, a business owner of your own? Uh, prior to that, you were working for other companies. Is that right? I was, although I had started a, a little company before and been involved in, in little startups. Uh, so I always had that bug. Um, and, uh, this was an opportunity, I think, to maybe do this in a bigger way. Um, when this, uh, when the company I was working for had folded its, uh, tent up. And, yeah. um, so, uh, I took off and created Alteris Group. And I have to ask, you know, you make that decision to go from the corporate world to owning and running, operating your own business. What were some of the you know, the, the unexpected, the biggest surprises, the biggest challenges as you're first getting going. There's a lot of people in our audience listening out there that are aspiring entrepreneurs and they listen to right. these shows and these interviews and they say, can I do this or should I do this? You know, and they want to be prepared, obviously, for the, the, the unknowns to the degree that they can become knowns. Uh, we'd love to, you know, educate our audience to the best degree possible. So share with us, you know, what, what some of the surprises or challenges were that you confronted early on and you're going at the creation of Alteris. Well, I think, you know, the, obviously the, the first biggest challenge is how do you fund it? How yes. do you fund the operation? Yes. And, yep. um, you know, because nobody can simulate for you what it's 
like to be responsible for payroll. Yep. Uh, you know, because we had started with, uh, it was a small payroll, but it was uh, about nine of us that uh, came into the company. So uh, we had to fund that, get that up and going. And so your first focus is really acquiring clients, mm-hmm. customers uh, for your product. And then you have to build the back end. What, what are you making? What are you doing? What are you selling? And you got to make sure you're selling that at the the best quality that you can in order to keep customers, retain customers. And uh, so those, I think, were the biggest challenges. Sure. So in our case, it was Angel Investor ah. uh, to get us up and running. And so once we got kind of up and got our uh, feet rolling, uh, then we were able to uh, start to uh, buy out different Angel Investors and then just uh, wholly own the company myself. That's that's a great story. That's good. It's a good utilization of angel capital and a great story on the back end and that you were able to buy them out and, and pick up and have revenue, then support the operations of the company and drive it forward. Is yeah. is Alteris Group today what you envisioned it to be 20 years ago? Yes, I would say it, it is with the exception of uh, really pushing forward in the digital space. I think um, you know we had to, as you know, the marketing, communication, learning, space changed it became more digital i remember when the ipad was first coming out that's you know everybody was buying ipads to do something but there weren't really many apps to do anything on an ipad and so you know we kind of looked out and said okay the future of a lot of where things are going it's going to be uh digital and it's going Mm -hmm. to be apps and it's going to impact marketing and it's going to impact our training business and so we got really busy internally building up that expertise uh, to be able to internally build apps and, and get digital platforms spun up. So I would say that's, you know, it was another startup within our company. And we had been working on that, uh, you know, for the last six years, seven years uh, of building up a huge expertise in that. It's almost like a separate company operating within the, yeah. in the bigger framework of yeah. the terrorist group. And then along comes covid and upsets and disrupts everything, of course, and creative challenges, but at the same time, created opportunity, created new needs, new opportunity to fill those needs and so on. And, uh, and, and new associated business opportunities. And one of those needs was filled by you guys coming up with an app. It's the uh, COVID-19 compliance coach app, right? Yes. Tell And tell us, we're going to tell the story. We're going to go to a break in about 30 seconds, but quickly introduce what the app is, and then we'll come back and and tell the story of how this app was created. Yeah, well, we saw early on that um, there there might be a need for a health screening uh, product, Uh, and we had been working on another platform called our Learn to Go platform, and, and I thought we could spin that up to do training on COVID and health screening and put an emergency response plan together and push that out for small businesses that don't have big infrastructure to, or maybe big HR departments to help with this response. And so that was the genesis of the idea is to get this app up to help people in small businesses. Yeah, and in order to have that first mover advantage, in order to get the brand out there, get the app out there, get the early adoption you needed and to really take advantage of the market opportunity, you needed to move quickly. We want to hear how you put it all together, and we'll do that right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. Stick with us. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've got Tim Connor, founder of Alteris Group, on the show with us today. Now, typically, Tim and his company are involved in providing communications services, marketing communications, and training services to larger corporations. But along came a, an entrepreneurial endeavor that they were able to execute and, uh, you know, is really getting some attention and awareness and, and really providing a great service to the market. Tim, welcome back. Uh, good to have you on. Thank you, Jeff. 
Great. And so here you're running your big company, you're running the day-to-day, COVID disrupts everything, creates this need, this opportunity in the marketplace that you guys fill. Where did the idea for it come from? Tell us again what it is and where did the idea come from? Let's start with that. Well, it was it was on a Saturday morning and I had downloaded the CARES Act and I was reading through that. And the CARES Act talked about doing some training or some grant money for small companies to do training on COVID for their employees. And I started putting two two together that we had a mobile platform that can help with training. And I thought, hmm, why don't we spin up a, a sort of a sub app to our main platform and we can give people not only health screening, but training, which we built six courses out for training on COVID. And then also, if I'm a small company, what is my response plan for bringing essential workers back into my office space? What do they need to know? What are the rules there? And those guidelines need to follow what the governors were putting out, right? Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of information that were coming out from states and the governors, and things were changing very rapidly. Yeah. But there were guidelines that each governor, each state was that were putting out for businesses. And so- you know, we felt like we could put a tool together very fast that would help small businesses comply to those guidelines that the governors were putting out and put it all together and make it an easy, simple solution for employees to engage and do health screening. It's a great tool, much needed, so much confusion, as you mentioned, so much change. You know, you just, yes. you, you got to f- f- figure it out one day and the next day you come in and you got to figure it out all over again. That's correct. And, yep. and so this really helps do that. And it helps keep a, a, a company operator feeling organized and feeling like, you know, you're taking control to the degree to which you can over the circumstance that we've been dealt. And, you know, I know we're going to be using the app here at the Startup Nation for our team, and and we're excited to have the tool. I mean, it really is something that we, it's actually the way we found you. We were trying to figure out, you know, our own sense of how we bring people back and how we manage that process and so on. And we found the app and and then found you. So, you know, it really is a a great story. Now, it's one thing to come up with an idea for an app like this, and you were, you did that clearly. But now you got to execute it. Do you guys, do you have your own development team on staff? How do you, tell us about the process of, you know, for someone out there listening, they might think that I've got a great idea for an app. So you've got the right. idea. You're sitting there with the idea. You know, you're onto something. What are the steps you take to take it from idea to market? Yeah. So fortunately for us, you know, we had spent years building up an internal digital team to help service our clients with our deliverables that we produce all the time. And because we do have that team, we had been developing some in-house products uh, to get ready to go to market with. And one of those products, the Learn to Go platform, we, I thought we could use and spin up the COVID Comply app. And so I started making phone calls to our team and said, here's the idea. Let's start to see how we might use some of the coding that we've already done and move it to the platform. So we were able to use a lot of it, but it still was a a yeoman's effort, if you will, to get it up to an actual app. And so obviously we we started in March and, uh, you know, the whole country was shutting down. So we had some time on our hands, if you will, to mm-hmm. build up this app and get it ready because we didn't know when, you know, the lights might get turned back on and people can come back to work. And so we wanted right. to be ready. So we went at it very hard to build up this app. But, you know, we weren't starting from scratch, let's say. We were trying to pull pieces and parts that we had from other platforms to put it together 
and with all the expertise of the whole team. And we were doing it all virtually, by the way, Jeff. Mm-hmm, you know, we mm-hmm. weren't communicating like we normally were. So we were right. having to do it all from our homes. And uh, that was interesting in itself to do it that way. But we were able to get it together and get it out to market and started helping people get back, especially small companies, get back to work. Yeah, and for sure. Our, our key goal. So you had the idea and then you, you got your yep. teams. They're all remote. You've got to develop it. Right. You create a specification for the app and then... Uh, they build both the iOS, meaning Apple version, uh, iPhone, and then uh, G- Google Play or the Android version. Do you do, you do both of those versions? Well, that's the path. We, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's the path we were going down. But things were starting to get very sensitive with Apple and uh, Google in terms of what was uh, going to be allowed on their stores in reference to covid uh, so we ended up uh, building a web app. So it's a web I app see. platform. Uh-huh. So we didn't really need the stores to do that. Although yep. we did finish the Apple uh, uh, iOS uh, app and it was approved by Apple. We just never deployed it because yeah. we just decided to go with the web app route. And there, it's functioning like an app. You really wouldn't sure. know the difference between a native app and our web app for COVID. Is that a, it's essentially a website that's mobile optimized so it can be used as an app on the iPhone or the or on the uh, Android very in a very user-friendly way, right? Do I have that right? You do. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's great. Now, I'm curious. Tell us where, so you had the idea. Now you get, you get it into market. It's in market now. Yes. What kind of adoption are you getting? What are you seeing in terms of the commercialization of it? Well, once we got it up and running, we, right now we've got about 40 to 50 companies on it, about four to 5,000 users on it. Mm-hmm. But now that states are really starting to open, you know, with yeah. the vaccine and all that, we added some extra features to the tool with uh, the vaccine mm-hmm. and some easier tools for putting in your response plan. And um, it's coming to mind more and more often with people are, how are we going to bring people back? So this seems to be the time we're getting some activity on it. We're getting people buying it now. So mm-hmm. it w- went in spurts. We would get people that buy and these were essential workers going back. And then now we have a full opening happening. So we're getting a lot of activity now too. And did you roll this out? I'm curious as a separate business unit, or is this part of your product line now? It's part of our product line, yeah. It's uh, is an expression of our Learn to Go platform. Uh-huh. So we have it uh, there, and we're following up with customers to see how we might be helpful as they flow into uh, coming back to work. How the tool might be helpful for them in other ways. Sure. And Tim, I'm curious: is it is this the kind of thing that could grow? You know, look, I think business has forever changed. I'm sure you would agree. You know, the way we yes. come to the office, who comes to the office, when they come to the office. You know, hybrid work in our future and the new normal and all those kinds of things. Right. Do you see that this tool could be broadened and have application in, in employers helping organize their staffs, you know, around other issues, maybe not even health related, just general, uh, you know, management of your of your teams? Yes, I do. And our bigger platform that this spun off of helps do that. But it comes down to an emergency response sure. type of tool, right? Sure. So it could be a lot of different things that happen. And we don't know what, you know, variants are coming in the fall. We, we right. just don't know. And so it's always that tool that you have there to respond to some things within an organization. And uh, it could be used for onboarding, right? That You can spin up some courses in there, onboard somebody to even your emergency response plan to certain things. So there's a lot of uses and a lot of use cases for the tool. So we're just starting to explore that with our customers. Okay. Tim, what's the competitive playing field look like? Where do you guys sit in the mix? Well, there's there's a lot of uh, folks that, and we paid attention to this, there were a lot of folks uh, spinning up health screening tools 
but we still didn't really see too much that had actual training modules inside the tool. So we had six training modules that are about three minutes each for a course that you take mm -hmm. on the training for COVID. We didn't really see anybody in the competitive landscape that put that through. And he had quiz questions and you got certified when you took those courses and it gave uh, some pretty good education about uh, COVID and what to look for and how to manage COVID. So we didn't see that in the competitive landscape and we didn't see the emergency response planning in our competitive landscape. It was really just the health screening. So we went way beyond health screening into training and uh, planning. Mm -hmm. And that's what we really like about the tool. Well, it's great. I love what you guys have done. You're in a hot, you know, a hot, uh, you have a hot opportunity in a hot market with a strong need right now. I'm sure it's pretty exciting. And you know, this is the land of ingenuity right here in the Southeast Michigan yes. region. And you've got it in your DNA and you're doing your part to uh, keep us rolling as a place of real ingenuity and a leader in the field of, of innovation. And that's really great. Tim, Tim Connor, founder of Alteris Group. We really thank you for being on, sharing the story. And Tim, if people want to get a hold of you to have access to the app, they do that how? We have covidcomply.com. So you can okay. go there and you can get all the information and you can buy a license from the from that uh, website. Great. Covidcomply.com. Tim yep. Connor, thanks so much for being on and sharing that great story and uh, wish you guys all the best. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right. So there you have it. That's a wrap on this edition of Startup Nation Radio today, focused on apps, how to build one, why you should have one for your company, if indeed you think you should, and why not to maybe, why maybe consider using a third-party source, whatever it may be. But we gave you some good high-level information in the beginning of the show, finished it in the last two segments with a great interview with a guy that's actually developed and deployed an app, a really important app into market, and um, hopefully it was as informative to you as it was to me. So that's a wrap for this edition of Startup Nation Radio. Back next week with more. Join us. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.